This is the mop-up for February 23rd, 2024. I'm David Feldman. Thank you for finding me. I'm coming to you from New York City. Please like this episode and share it so I remain in your feed. Lawyers for Julian Assange, founder of WikiLeaks, made a last-ditch appeal before British magistrates not to extradite him to the United States where Assange faces charges of violating the Espionage Act. It has been nearly a decade since Assange released a trove of classified material, including videos of American soldiers laughing while committing war crimes. None of those soldiers were ever so much as demoted, yet Julian Assange now faces 175 years in prison if he's handed over to America. Chelsea Manning, the U.S. service member who turned the documents over to Assange, ended up doing years in prison, often in solitary confinement until Barack Obama finally commuted her sentence. Let's be clear, Assange leaked classified material that wasn't protecting any foreign assets with actionable intelligence that was keeping our soldiers safe or was furthering our national security. Julian Assange leaked material that had been classified to protect soldiers and higher-ups from getting prosecuted for war crimes. And for that, our government wants him to spend the rest of his life behind bars. Assange is no different than Daniel Ellsberg. And by that, I mean he's a hero and should be returned to Australia, where he can continue his work keeping an eye on us. The British government is not expected to issue a ruling until next month. Two years ago, a British judge refused America's extradition request, saying, Our prisons here in the United States are so dangerous that to place Julian Assange in one to await trial would serve as his death sentence. Meanwhile, the real national security risk is in Washington, D.C. There's no budget, no continuing resolution, no border bill, no funding for Israel or Ukraine, no reform of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act's Section 702, which permits Donald Trump's deep, dark state to search our electronic communications without a warrant. Nothing is getting done. No border bill, nothing. And we're days away from a partial government shutdown and two weeks away, about two weeks away for, from a full-blown government shutdown. So where was Mike Johnson, our speaker? With all that has to be done, well, he wasn't in Washington because he gave everyone a two-week vacation, and he enjoyed his down in Mar-a-Lago taking orders from Donald Trump, who we now know takes all his orders from Vladimir Putin. As more and more House Republicans announce they're not seeking re-election, CNN reports this morning that former Speaker Kevin McCarthy is now blaming all the dysfunction and discontent in Washington on Florida Congressman Matt Gates. Kevin McCarthy will not let it go. If you remember, Matt Gates is responsible for Kevin McCarthy being forced to get out of town and he won't let it go so now kevin mccarthy is insisting that matt gates belongs in prison and that he matt gates is personally responsible for all the dysfunction in washington gates responded to mccarthy's accusation by once again taunting him and saying i take this as a compliment he then added that hopefully the purge of do-nothing republicans will continue and eventually deliver a bumper crop of Republicans who, like Kevin McCarthy, are bolder, tougher, and smarter. You know, Kevin McCarthy, you can't win. Matt Gates is smarter than you, probably because he's more evil than you are. Let it go. Matt Gates, let him go. And with the 
House ethics investigation now looking into allegations of Gates trafficking underage girls and prostitutes, possibly. It's starting to look like Matt Gates will also be heading for the exits, but he'll be doing it involuntarily. Something tells me, however, the House Republicans will slow walk Matt Gates's amputation after George Santos was tossed out back in December. Democrat Tom Suozzi won his seat this month, and Republicans have suddenly realized we need every idiot we can spare. We're now down to something like a two-vote majority. There's a distinct possibility we're going to know who the next senator from California is going to be on March 5th when California holds its jungle primary to replace Dianne Feinstein, who passed away last year. Three world-class Democratic members of Congress are competing. And we've got the March 5th jungle primary. The winner of this is pretty much guaranteed to win in November. And the latest polls show the frontrunner to be Congressman Adam Schiff, who was censured last year by House Republicans, including Kevin McCarthy, was payback for Schiff's incessant attacks on Donald Trump. Schiff served as chairman of the House Intelligence Committee and was instrumental in exposing Russian interference in our 2016 presidential election. Schiff served as an impeachment manager and, of course, sat on the January 6th committee. Latest polling shows him with 28% of the vote. Coming in second is Republican Steve Garvey, who has never held elective office. Doubt he's ever read a book, but he played professional baseball. He's a Republican. Now, remember, this is a jungle primary, meaning two Democrats conceivably could end up running against one another in November. But Garvey looks to be in second place. And follow, following Garvey, we have Democratic Congresswoman Katie Porter, who's appeared on this show and has been a a thorn in the side of bankers and lenders during her brief time in Washington, D.C. Coming in a distant third is Congresswoman Barbara Lee with only 9% of the vote. Barbara Lee, Congresswoman Barbara Lee from Northern California, was the only member of Congress to vote against the authorization for war in Afghanistan immediately after 9-11. Everybody else got it wrong. She knew she was the only member of Congress who knew George W. Bush could not be trusted and that the Taliban had nothing to do with 9-11. She knew Afghanistan, the Taliban, just like Saddam Hussein and Iraq, had nothing to do with 9-11. Now, most Americans have finally come around and are willing to admit Cheney and Bush and Rumsfeld lied uh, about Iraq, that they lied that Iraq was involved with 9-11. But way too many Americans still believe the lie that the Taliban was behind 9-11. They had nothing, absolutely nothing to do with 9-11, and yet we still freeze their assets and want to turn their assets over to the victims of 9-11. The Taliban had nothing to do with 9-11. Yes, the Taliban were harboring al-Qaeda the same way they harbored about 12 other warlords they had no control over. And never forget, the country that financed al-Qaeda was Saudi Arabia, while Pakistan's army was riddled with al-Qaeda supporters, which is why Pakistan ended up harboring al-Qaeda, and more importantly, why bin Laden was eventually killed in Pakistan. He was up in the caves of Tora Bora, of Afghanistan going back and forth 
between Afghanistan and Pakistan and getting his money from Saudi Arabia. The Taliban had nothing to do with this. And I should mention the Pakistani doctor who assisted our CIA in finding bin Laden still sits in a Pakistani jail. He's considered a traitor in Pakistan for turning in Osama bin Laden. If you wanted to invade the people behind 9-11, not a good idea, but you should have gone after Saudi Arabia and Pakistan, but that also would have been a waste of life and American treasure. But you keep believing the war in Afghanistan was about 9-11, which is why, as far as I'm concerned, of all the Democratic members of Congress who deserve to be the next senator from California, Barbara Lee is the most qualified. She voted against the war authorization in Afghanistan. She is more deserving of the Senate seat than anybody else on the ballot. And that's some pretty stiff competition. All three of those members of Congress are some of the best in Washington, D.C. You're looking at Alabama Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, Colonel Tom Parker. Uh, I'm sorry, just Tom Parker. Like our Speaker of the House, Tom Parker subscribes to the Seven Mountain Mandate, where Christians need to seize power in the seven mountains of society, which include government, education, the arts, family, business, government, and most disturbing, religion. Religion. In other words, Christians need to seize the mountain of religion and make certain we are a Christian nation. Judge Parker has been photographed celebrating the lives of Confederate soldiers as well as the original founders of the KKK. And you might have guessed he's also a Republican. This week, he and several other justices of the Alabama Supreme Court ruled that frozen embryos are people. In his ruling, Judge Parker said frozen embryos must be living sentient beings because they keep beating me at checkers. Sorry. He's kind of stupid. And judging by the looks of that wife of his, I'm pretty sure nobody's needing any Freon to freeze her embryos. Hey, leave the wife out of it. I'll leave the wife out of it as soon as Alabama leaves all women out of it. She's fair game. If all women in Alabama are free game, uh, I'm going after his wife. Alabama says frozen embryos have personhood. This from a state that went kicking and screaming until they finally said black people had personhood. The Washington Post reports that since Roe was overturned in 2022, 11 states have passed legislation that defines personhood beginning at the point of fertilization. But until this week, none of these laws had yet to be decided on by any courts, and Alabama became the first in the nation. Your, your number one in the nation on this Alabama, along with incest. Alabama's court ruling suggests that anyone who is convicted of destroying a frozen embryo could be charged with murder. Does that include the death penalty? Alabama is so pro-life, you might remember back in late January, it took 45 minutes for them to execute a death row inmate with their experimental dose of nitrogen, where he seized and convulsed while Alabama corrections officials called it the most humane form of execution known to man. <sighs> the ruling, let me have some coffee here, Alabama. Uh, but let's tiptoe lightly around this shit stain of a state because we don't, you know, we, we don't want them to feel bad about themselves. I like Montgomery, Alabama. 
people in Montgomery are great. Um, the ruling also calls into question the ability of Alabama women to be able to order abortion pills through the mail from out-of-state providers. Yeah, the Republican Party, where all life is precious unless it's a woman's. Politico reports that as many as 12 states, many of them battleground, will have abortion on the ballot as Democrats try to energize their base by getting pro-choice voters to the polls, even though they might be lukewarm when it comes to Joe Biden's job performance. Since the court overturned Roe, several abortion ballot initiatives in reddish states like Ohio and deep red states like Kansas, these initiatives show Republicans will lose if November's election is about reproductive rights. It's why Trump ordered Speaker Mike Johnson not to pass the border bill. He said, I need this manufactured migrant crisis to run on and away from the pro-life movement. Trump loses with women. It's men who are more likely to vote for him over Biden. Biden wins with women, especially since Donald Trump is an adjudicated rapist. And women know Republicans are the party that wants to force young women to bring their rape babies to full term. Let me repeat, Trump is an adjudicated rapist and Republicans think women, even underaged girls, should be forced to bring their rape babies to full term. Russell Vought served in the Trump White House as Trump's director of the Office of Management and Budget. It was his job to prepare the president's budget proposal that he would send to Congress as a framework. After leaving the White House, Vout joined a religious think tank, which sounds like a contradiction in terms. Politico reports that Vout has come on board the Trump campaign as an advisor so that should, God forbid, Trump win, he can hit the ground running by infusing Christian nationalism into his agenda. Christian values into his agenda. You mean like more tax cuts for the billionaires? Politico reports that the Trump White House plans to go all in on the idea that American Christians are under, <laughs> are under assault here in America. Yes, like when they get arrested for assaulting drag queens. That's so anti-Christian, not allowing us to beat up queers. Where's our religious freedom? Never forget, Speaker Mike Johnson has written extensively on making homosexuality a crime and served as the lead attorney for Project Exodus, which before breaking up was one of America's leading purveyors of gay conversion therapy, which human rights organizations around the world call torture. We should expect Trump in the lead up to the convention, we should expect him to start touting America as a Christian nation founded by Christians with Christian ideals. You know, like Donald Trump, who slept with Stormy Daniels right after Melania gave him a son. The thrice-divorced rapist is uh, touting Christian values. Hick E. Haley, did I pronounce that properly? Hick He, no, I'm sorry, Nick He Haley, says it doesn't matter that she lost Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, and next week, her home state of South Carolina. She's staying through Super Tuesday as her campaign war chest continues to grow flush with cash. The latest polling shows Trump crushing Haley by almost 30 points in South Carolina. Now, Haley was the governor of South Carolina. And she can't win in South Carolina for the same reason Trump 
can't win in New York City. Voters got to see how duplicitous they both are up close. Nikki Haley is not an abstraction to South Carolinians. Donald Trump is not an abstraction to us New Yorkers. We know who they are. Not voting for them. Speaking of turd stains from South Carolina, the Associated Press reports that potential Trump running mate, South Carolina senator and failed presidential candidate Tim Scott, is refusing to say whether he would have acted differently on January 6th than Vice President Mike Pence. If you remember earlier in the month, Republican Senator from Ohio, J.D. Vance, who is also hoping for a spot on the ticket, said he disagreed with Vice President Pence and would have allowed alternative slates of electors to be counted on January 6th. But Scott dismissed the question saying, I'm not dealing with hypotheticals. Well, it's not a hypothetical. Mike Pence refused to count the false electors. Simple question. Was he right? And would, have you, would you have done the same? And if you become vice president, will you do the same? We've talked about the false electors scheme down in Georgia, which prompted Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis to indict several local Republicans alongside Donald Trump for trying to overturn the 2020 presidential election. But the false electors scheme wasn't limited to Georgia. Republicans who participated in the false electors scheme in Michigan have been indicted. And investigations are going on right now in Arizona and Wisconsin. Last year, Wisconsin's 10 false electors settled out of court in a civil lawsuit filed by Democrats. Although they didn't admit guilt, probably because their criminal prosecution is still up in the air, the 10 false electors did admit their actions were an attempt to overturn an election where Joe Biden defeated Donald Trump by more than 20,000 votes. And in the settlement, they agreed that they would never, ever try to serve as electors again. One of those electors from Wisconsin, Andrew Hitt, is the former chairman of Wisconsin's Republican Party, and he served as one of the phony electors. In an interview with 60 Minutes last Sunday, Hitt said he had been tricked by the Trump White House and didn't know what he was doing was illegal. Well, you know, maybe someone this stupid who doesn't know a phony slate of electors is illegal, maybe someone that stupid shouldn't have ended up as chairman of Wisconsin's Republican Party. Oh, wait, right. That's precisely why he became chairman of Wisconsin's Republican Party. He's a moron. Hit told 60 Minutes that he went along with the false elector scheme because he feared for his life. Hitt said that if the presidential election came down to Wisconsin, this was his calculation, that if the 2020 presidential election came down to Wisconsin and Trump lost and he didn't serve as a phony elector, MAGA Republicans would hold him responsible And he said, my life and my family's life would be in jeopardy. As they used to say, wake up and smell the fascism. This is fascism. Well, let's go back to Wisconsin. For the past decade, since the previous census, every 10 years we do a census. So after the 2010 yeah, the 2010 census, Wisconsin has been considered the most gerrymandered state in America, with Republicans able to control the state house, but losing statewide elections. So in Wisconsin, you have a Democratic governor, you've got Democrat Tammy Baldwin as a senator, 
And that suggests more Democrats live in Wisconsin than Republicans, but gerrymandering has denied Democrats representation. Yes, I know Ron Johnson is a Republican. He's the senator from uh, Wisconsin. But Wisconsin, you know, Joe Biden won Wisconsin, and those districts are gerrymandered. It's changed thanks to Democrats gaining control of the Supreme Court last year and Republicans in the State House realizing we better redraw the maps instead of allowing Democrats on the court to do it for us. So there are new maps that were signed into law by Wisconsin's Democratic Governor Tony Evers this week. And according to Politico, they will go into effect for the November election, meaning Democrats are now poised to pick up far more seats in the Wisconsin State House, although gaining control, I don't know. I don't know. Probably doubtful. Nikki Haley said if elected, she would pardon Donald Trump. Haley said she wants to pull, put all this baggage behind us. She said it wouldn't benefit anyone to see an 80-year-old man languishing in prison while his supporters roar for his release. She said it wouldn't help anyone to see Donald Trump languishing in prison. Then why am I fully erect right now thinking about it? Trump is facing four criminal trials this year. And uh, based on past performance, he's not doing too well in the courts. Remember, he spent something like $100 million on lawyers since he left office. I'm sorry, I made a mistake. He didn't spend $100 million on lawyers. The MAGA morons who donate to a super PAC have spent close to $100 million on his legal fees. And what? Has $100 million worth of legal fees gotten Donald Trump and his MAGA morons? Well, CBS News added it all up. In the past 14 months, 30 jurors in three separate lawsuits have ruled against Donald Trump. And that doesn't include the New York State civil fraud trial, where Trump was fined a half a billion dollars in a bench trial with no jury. Now, why was it a bench trial? Why was there no jury? Because his idiot lawyer, Alina Haba, never asked for one. Trump, outside the courtroom, lies to America and insists he's been deprived a jury trial. But inside the courtroom, everyone knows Alina Haba and Donald Trump never asked for a jury because he knows a jury would rule against him and it's cheaper to threaten the life of one judge than it is to threaten the lives of the lives of 12 jurors plus the judge that's 13 lives you've got to threaten it's much more efficient to have a bench trial and only have to phone in bomb threats to the judge's house that would be Judge Arthur N. Gorin, who presided over this New York State civil fraud trial, where Donald Trump was fined an order to turn over close to half a billion dollars next month. And uh, yesterday he rejected the former president's request to delay the ruling going into effect. They're asking for a month before that ruling goes into effect. But Judge Angoran said, absolutely not. Now, I'm no legal scholar, but I'm pretty sure you don't curry favors with a judge by sitting back and allowing your supporters to phone in bomb threats while also promising to kill the judge's wife, children, and his entire courtroom staff. Again, I'm not a legal scholar, but I have a sneaking suspicion judges kind of don't like death threats of that magnitude and tends to, tends to leave a bad taste in their mouths. 
and they're not going to cut you any slack. I don't know. I'm not a legal scholar. But I do know that's how stupid Donald Trump's New Jersey strip mall lawyer, Alina Haba, has turned out to be. She didn't even know to tell her client that, you know, if you keep threatening to kill the judge and his family, he's probably not going to rule in your favor. Again, she has earned, I think the super PAC has paid her close to $4 million in the past two years to defend him. Once Judge Angoran makes his judgment official, ah, that's good coffee. Once he makes uh, the judgment official, and that could be today, then the clock starts ticking and Donald Trump, hang on, I'm getting hard again. Donald Trump has 30 days both to appeal the judge's ruling as well as, whoa, 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 I may need to change my pants. He's got 30 days to deliver the half a billion dollars to the state of New York, which will hold on to it until Trump goes through the appeals process. If Trump wins on appeal, then that half a billion dollars will be returned to him. But if he loses on appeal, which seems likely, he's out that half a billion dollars that he most certainly does not have. Not only that, once Judge Angoran's judgment becomes official, and that's probably today, interest starts kicking in, which means, here we go again. Man, this is better than Viagra, which means every day Donald Trump doesn't put up the half a billion dollars or post a bond And by the way, good luck finding someone willing to lend Donald Trump half a billion dollars to pay a fine for being found guilty of inflating his assets to secure the very thing he needs right now, a loan, right? So every day that he can't come up with that half a billion dollars or a bond, $87,000 is tacked on to that half a billion dollars. Like I said on the last show, Judge Arthur N. Gorin set a trap for Donald Trump. Because in order for Donald Trump to come up with that half a billion dollars, he's going to have to commit even more fraud. But this time, the D.C. Special Counsel Jack Smith, as well as a court ordered monitor of the Trump organization is watching Donald Trump's every financial transaction. So Donald Trump comes up with a half a billion dollars in the next month. Do you think for one moment, special counsel Jack Smith is going to say, well, how about that? He came up with half a billion dollars. I don't know how he did it, but he did. He's good. Well, what else should we do? No, (laughs) no. Jack Smith is going to be all up in that shit. He's going to want to see the receipts. And New York State Attorney General Letitia James says, if Trump can't come up with that half a billion dollars within the next 30 days, She is prepared to seize his New York City properties and start selling them off. Where's Melania going to live? She's in Trump Tower. James said on Tuesday, quote, I'm eyeing 40 Wall Street every day. 40 Wall Street is downtown. It's the two big properties that Trump owns are 40 Wall Street and Trump Tower. Now, The problem that Attorney General Letitia James will have in seizing and then selling Trump Tower and 40 Wall Street is it's probably not going to come to half a billion dollars. I don't know if you have checked the commercial real estate market lately. 
Trump Tower in today's market is worth, if he's lucky, $350 million. Plus, he has a $100 million note on it. So, let's say, let's be generous and, and say he gets $300 million for Trump Tower. And I'm being generous. Office buildings are worthless in New York, thanks to Zoom and people working remote. And 40 Wall Street, well, it was once appraised at $200 million, but not in this market. And who knows how much he borrowed against it. And good luck selling it at fire sale prices. I mean, he's when you have to unload real estate, that's not when you want to sell real estate. So... To come up with that half a billion dollars, Letitia James, if she seizes the property, she's going to have to start selling off even more. uh, 40 Wall Street and Trump Tower don't amount to half a billion dollars. He's in trouble. He's got to be elected president. Got to, got to, got to get elected president. The New York Times reports this week that the Trump brand, this is the problem with trying to sell his real estate to pay off this half a billion dollars. The New York Times reports this week that the Trump brand isn't worth what the former president insisted it is during the New York civil fraud trial, where he kept saying every single one of his properties should be appraised with what Trump calls the presidential premium because of the added value of Trump's name. He's saying people are willing to pay more for properties with my name on it, the brand. Well, according to the New York Times, four New York City buildings that removed Donald Trump's name have increased in value by 9% in the past decade, while the seven buildings in New York City that kept Trump's name have decreased in value by 23% over the same period. Rolling Stone magazine reports this morning that Donald Trump supports efforts by a lone MAGA trucker who is encouraging 10 other Teamsters to refuse delivery of any products, including food and water, to New York City to protest last week's half-a-billion-dollar civil fraud judgment against the former president, who was found guilty of ripping off bankers and insurers by inflating his net worth in order to secure favorable interest rates. So Donald Trump supports a blockade of New York City. This is the man who wants to be president again. A man who supports a blockade, a trucker's blockade of New York City. That's one of the ways General Pinochet seized power with the help of the CIA in Chile. The CIA worked with the labor unions and they convinced the Teamsters in Chile to jam the highways in the lead-up to the CIA's assassination of Salvador Allende. Labor unrest, that's what the CIA did to uh, turn the public away from Salvador Allende. And the truckers are very powerful. They can shut the economy down. Campaigning in Michigan, Trump called the half a billion dollar ruling by Judge Arthur Angoran, quote, an attack on the people in this crowd. Trump then added, we're all in this together. He's kind of right, since it will be the contributions to his super PAC from those MAGA morons in the crowd that will pay his fines. So those idiots are all in it together with him. I don't know. I don't know how he pays this. Now, maybe he can borrow against future donations. He certainly doesn't have hundreds of millions of dollars in his super PAC. I, I think it's something like... He's down to 10 million. 
what a great way to run for president. Spend all your money on lawyers and civil fines instead of a ground game. And nobody's even sure if this is legal. What's amazing is most of the supporters, if not all, don't have a clue about anything, uh, but they have no idea that the money they donate is going to the one occupation they hate the most, trial lawyers. They think that money they're sending to him is going to root out election fraud. They don't know they're the victims of fraud. I mean, it is wire fraud. Uh, Bernard Carrick, the police commissioner of New York, uh, has been talking, I hear, to special counsel Jack Smith because he wasn't paid to investigate the voter fraud. He's upset that he did all this work with Rudy and never got paid, and so he's urging Jack Smith to try Donald Trump for wire fraud, which this is. It's wire fraud. So when Trump loses in November, is anybody going to say it's bad for the country to lock him up? When he loses in November, the Republican Party will be in fragments. He can't run in 2028. Maybe, I don't know. Who knows? But I don't know. But it seems less likely that anybody is going to protect him after November from going to prison. And his MAGA morons, you know, seeing him on trial, getting arrested, maybe going to prison, they're not going to come to his defense. They're going to wake up and think maybe he's not so powerful after all, maybe former Republican governor of Arkansas, Asa Hutchinson, dropped out of the presidential race early, but that's not stopping him from speaking out against Donald Trump, who is the presumptive Republican nominee. The Hill reports that Asa Hutchinson wants assurances from whomever becomes the new leader of the Republican Party that donations to the party don't get squandered paying Donald Trump's legal fees, which show no sign of abating and have already exceeded at the very least $100 million. $100 million spent on lawyers since he left office. Trump is reportedly purging the Republican National Committee of non-MAGA employees, and his plan is to install his idiot daughter-in-law, Lara Trump, Laura Trump, she's married to Eric. She wants, he wants Laura Trump to become chairwoman of the RNC, which is broke. For some reason, people aren't donating to the RNC. Laura Trump told supporters in South Carolina yesterday that the RNC needs to raise half a billion dollars by election day. Well, when you think about it, the RNC needs to raise half a billion dollars like today. Remember Judge Arthur and Gorin's half a billion dollar judgment? It's probably due today. And every day Trump doesn't pony up. New York State tax on $87,000 in interest each day. They need half a billion dollars today. Lara Trump, she's running for chairman of the RNC. She told supporters that the only way to get people to donate to the RNC is by guaranteeing them that their money will end up where it's needed. Uh huh. She said, quote, we got to make sure that people understand when they donate their money to the RNC, indeed, it's going to causes they care about, unquote. No, I don't think it's about causes. It's about paying for the convention and bailing out the Republican parties in Minnesota, Arizona, Michigan, and Georgia, which have absolutely no money left because it's all been spent on legal fees, which is why Republican governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, says he's worried 
There will be no ground game in November. You need money for a ground game. Then Laura Trump, Lara Trump, she's married to Eric Trump. She said, as chairwoman of the RNC, I am willing to entertain the idea of using RNC funds to pay her father-in-law's mounting legal fee. She's willing to entertain the idea of paying her father's father-in-law's mounting legal fees. Really, she entertained that idea. You know, you should probably check with your father-in-law. I'm not sure a past and possibly future president. I'm not sure he'd find that seemly. The Republican Party is broke. And one of the people they're holding responsible for nobody donating to the Republican Party is the founder of Turning Points USA college dropout Charlie Kirk, who helped orchestrate the firing of Ronna McDaniel as chairwoman of the RNC. Kirk, Charlie Kirk, is reportedly trying to turn the Republican Party into an extension of both MAGA and Turning Points USA. He's all in on Donald Trump and white nationalism. The Romney wing of the GOP, uh, Ronna McDaniel, is related to Mitt Romney, who was the 2012 Republican nominee. The Romney wing of the GOP, which gets smaller and smaller by the second, they are insisting that Charlie Kirk has become such a prodigious fundraiser that his turning points is attracting a donor base that should otherwise be given money to the RNC, not Charlie Kirk. They're insisting that money going to turning points really belongs to the RNC. And what's left of non-MAGA establishment Republicans, their concern is that if Charlie Kirk gets to play as large a role in the Republican Party as he's planning, the big donors are going to stay away in droves as Charlie Kirk continues to go all in on white Christian nationalism, saying just in the past month that he doesn't want to fly on a plane with a black pilot. And I don't even want to say these words that... Dr. Martin Luther King was an awful human being and not a good person. Who says that? Who says that? Well, it goes without saying that Kirk is devoted to Trump, which means the Republican Party is about to take a very sharp right into the bowels of ethno-nationalism and white supremacy. That's going to cost the RNC donors, which means they won't be able to afford a get-out-the-vote machine in November. Now, we've talked about the Trump ground game, which many people said was impressive, especially in Iowa. But only 7% of registered Republicans in Iowa voted for him. And you got to do better in the general election. The Supreme Court issued yet another setback for MAGA Republicans when they refused to reverse a Michigan court's $150,000 in sanctions issued against Trump's election interference attorney, Sidney Powell. This is interesting because the Supreme Court has two big rulings coming up on Trump's presidential immunity and Colorado's decision to scrub him from the ballot. And the Supreme Court refused to overturn a Michigan court's $150,000 in sanctions against Sidney Powell. Now, the Michigan court ruled and sanctioned Sidney Powell along with several other attorneys who were working for Trump, they say they wasted the court's time by filing what the court called sham lawsuits in 2020, 
challenging the presidential election results in that state. Powell is one of Donald Trump's 18 co-defendants in the Georgia RICO trial where Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis charged Trump with running a criminal racket that attempted to overturn the 2020 election results in that state. Sidney Powell has already pled guilty down in Georgia, wrote a letter of apology, and has become a cooperating witness. The letter of apology was lacking, but she's a cooperating witness. Trump White House advisor Peter Navarro, who along with Steve Bannon conceived the Green Bay sweep to delay for days the January 6th certification of Joe Biden as president, he's now expected to report to prison in a matter of weeks after a jury found him guilty of contempt of Congress for failing to obey a subpoena from the January 6th committee. Navarro is facing even more legal trouble. A federal judge just warned that Navarro is about to be hit with a contempt of court charge for not turning over to the National Archives hundreds, possibly thousands, of White House documents. Navarro served as one of Trump's top White House economic advisors, and he was going to appeal his contempt of Congress verdict, but has intimated he's all out of cash and can't afford his lawyers. Three MAGA Republicans fined $500 each by Speaker Nancy Pelosi in May of 2021 for not wearing masks on the House floor were delivered a setback after the United States Supreme Court refused their appeal of that fine. Interesting. Again, this is the Donald Trump Supreme Court, three out of the nine picked by Trump. Republican nutcases Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia, Thomas Massey of Kentucky, and Ralph Norman of South Carolina not only refused to wear masks, but openly flaunted Pelosi's rule by sending maskless selfies standing in front of her podium to their constituents. You might remember Congressman Ralph Norman from my previous episode where I read you the text he sent just hours before Joe Biden's inauguration. It was a text he sent to White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, urging Meadows to save our republic by telling Donald Trump to declare martial law and not leave the White House. This was after January 6th. This was like 36 hours before Joe Biden was inaugurated and South Carolina Republican uh, Ralph Norman is sending texts. It's our last hope. Invoke martial law. Please urge president to do so. That, uh, that text uh, was turned over to the January 6th committee by Mark Meadows and was obtained by Talking Points Memo. Axios is reporting this morning that the FBI now believes Russian intelligence is behind the lie that then-Vice President Joe Biden ordered Ukraine to fire its top prosecutor because he'd accepted a $5 million bribe from Burisma, a Ukrainian gas company that would have benefited from that prosecutor getting fired because that prosecutor, according to this lie, was digging too close into Burisma's corruption. It's a lie. And the FBI now believes it was started by Russian intelligence. The truth, and we've been over this, is that Vice President Biden did in fact tell Ukraine in 2015 to fire the prosecutor, Viktor Shokin, because 
Biden was delivering a message from President Obama, as well as the EU and Western bankers, warning that unless Ukraine hired a prosecutor willing to root out corruption, then a $1 billion loan guarantee to Ukraine would fall through. The FBI says it now believes Russia was behind this lie. They learned this after arresting Alexander Smirnov for a second time. They arrested him last week, and they arrested him again this week. Smirnov has been charged with providing the FBI with lies about Joe Biden accepting a $5 million bribe as vice president. And with that, in exchange for the bribe, he would then force out the prosecutor, Shokin. Smirnov, who has been arrested now twice, is the key witness in the House Republicans' impeachment probe which now seems to be crumbling. In case Republicans want to charge Joe Biden with weaponizing the FBI in order to silence his accusers, Smirnov was indicted by David Weiss, who is the special prosecutor that also indicted Hunter Biden for failing to pay taxes on more than a million dollars worth of income. The House impeachment, they don't have the votes. I think, you know, they have like a two to three vote majority. And a lot of House Republicans are saying there's nothing there. Hick, he, Haley, I'm sorry, Nick, he, Haley, Nikki, Haley. It's Nikki, not Hick. Is it Hick, E Haley or Nikki, Haley? It's Nikki Haley. I'm sorry. Nikki, Nikki Haley, who served as Donald Trump's U.N. ambassador, called on Donald Trump to condemn Vladimir Putin's killing of Alexei Navalny. She also demanded to know if Trump thinks Navalny is a hero. She also demanded that Trump go on record as to whether he believes Putin killed Navalny. And if so, was that the right thing to do? Now, the other night, I saw Jimmy Dore trashing Navalny, calling him a a Nazi. Now, I warned you on this show, right after Navalny died, that people on Russia's payroll here in America, or people like Jimmy Dore who want to be on Putin's payroll, I said they're going to start trashing Navalny. And uh, yes, Navalny, I told you, he espoused some ultra-nationalist ideas as a young man, the same way Senator Robert Byrd was a member of the KKK, but grew up to be a champion of civil rights. People evolve, or in Jimmy Dore's case, devolve. Trump finally commented on the death of Navalny. He said, quote, the sudden death of Alexei Navalny has made me more and more aware of what is happening in our country. It is a slow, steady progression with crooked, radical left politicians, prosecutors, and judges leading us down a path to destruction. Open borders, rigged elections, and grossly unfair courtroom decisions are destroying America. We are a nation in decline, a failing nation, MAGA 2024, unquote. That's his response to the murder of Alexei Navalny. Oh, you statesman, you. Nancy Pelosi, who impeached Donald Trump twice, was asked about Trump comparing himself to Navalny instead of condemning his killing. And she said, quote, you wonder what does Putin have on Donald Trump that he always has to be beholden to him? Putin, Donald Trump's buddy in vileness, unquote. You still think Russiagate was a nothing burger? I know. A lot of Democrats hate Hillary so much, they, they, they believe that Vladimir Putin had nothing to do with 2016 and that it was all Hillary's fault. Keep believing that. 
You keep believing that. Bloomberg reports that more than a thousand Russians have been arrested for openly mourning the death of Navalny. NATO Secretary General Jen Stoltenberg warned American lawmakers attending the Munich Security Conference in Germany that the Ukrainian army is rationing bullets and America must step up because the clock is ticking on Ukraine's very survival. Speaking at the Munich Security Conference, German Defense Minister Boris Pistorius. Boris Pistorius? It has to be Boris Pistorius because... Nobody would name their child Boris Pistorius. He'd get beaten up every day. He'd beat himself up. If you were named Boris Pistorius, so it's got to be Boris Pistorius. Anyway, speaking at the Munich Security Conference, German Defense Minister Boris Pistorius tried telling U.S. lawmakers like isolationist and fascist Republican Senator J.D. Vance that Ukraine falling to Russia would ultimately damage America's financial interests as its European trading partners would be forced to spend all their energy and money turning inward in order to fight Russia instead of growing their economies. Joe Biden has been trying to get the Ukraine supplemental passed since August. Now, For the first time in a year, Russia seems to be winning as the city of Avdivka, I'm butchering that name and I apologize, has fallen and close to a thousand Ukrainian soldiers fighting there have gone missing. Joe Biden blamed the fall of Avdivka on House Republicans dithering on aid to Ukraine. Biden said, quote, the U.S. could not send additional artillery shells to Ukraine because Congress had not authorized more funding. As a result, Ukraine's forces were not able to successfully counter the waves of troops Russia was sending into the city. NBC News reports that Biden is considering taking his own initiative as commander-in-chief by providing Ukraine with a better class of long-range ballistic missiles as he waits for Congress to approve more funding for the war. NBC says since the war began, the Pentagon has given Ukraine medium-range missiles, but as Ukraine faces mounting casualties, Biden is prepared to up the ante by sending long-range missiles that can reach Russian-occupied Crimea, Crimea which Putin seized 10 years ago, back in 2014. Meanwhile, the Associated Press reports that Joe Biden is attempting to sell aid to Ukraine the same exact way he sold it last year, as a jobs bill for America. The White House is reminding members of Congress that $40 billion of that aid for Ukraine would go towards American factories spread out across the nation building weapons. We are a wartime economy. We are a wartime economy. We've been that way since Vietnam. I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. Thank you for listening to this show. Thank you to everybody in the the chat. Thank you to Bob for keeping things civil. And uh, please leave a comment. If I, I read all your comments. Uh, we have people weeding out the... We have Russian trolls. So we're dealing with it. We have MAGA trolls and... Russian trolls, and uh, so, but I I read all your comments, and thank you uh, for your suggestions and your corrections. Uh, Please subscribe to my newsletter and my channel. The best way to, to help this show is to leave comments and to share, to copy and paste the episode, 
and share it in email, text messages, on social media. Subscribe to this channel and like it. Like this episode. The way that a lot of people are saying, I, you know, I subscribe to your channel, but I, you're not showing up in my feed. You, you need to like each episode. That way it, I, I remain in your feed. It's, there are a lot of YouTube uh, and shows and a lot of podcasts out there. So if you have to let the algorithm know that you enjoy this nonsense. So thank you all for putting up with me. And I will see you either tomorrow or Saturday or Sunday, depending uh, how much sleep I'm able to get. I have a little uh, sleep, some sleep issues. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. 